Here we are, episode eight of the Yankee Chamber podcast. Matt Ledoux, I'm Joey LaFranca. Matt, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Happy, uh, happy that the Yanks are in the win column now. 0-1 was not too pretty on uh, on Thursday. And talk about like the brutal day off between opening day and then the rest of the season. It's like they tease you for a day and then you you have to wait an extra basically 48 hours instead of 24 hours and that kind of stinks a little bit, but good to see the Yankees get into the win column today. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that more good things are to come. Um, but starting off, I mean, not to, not to be negative, but, you know, we, I know we both have some concerns about where the Yankees are at right now. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the most dominating of wins today. Um, so I, I, I would like to get your take on what exactly your thoughts are after two games. I mean, we all can say it early. It's early in the season. There's a lot more to go, but you know, there's some things to definitely, there's some red flags for sure. Yeah. And I mean, just to bring it into perspective, the blue Jays, they are a good team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I know I put the Rays ahead of them in my early season um, projections, but the blue Jays are a good team. Uh, However, I think the Yankees offensively are far superior and some of the things I've seen, you know, less so today, uh, more so on opening day, was just the hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, I'm one of the people that I'm not going to overreact to a loss. Over 162 games, losses happen, but it's how you lose those games. And we've seen the Yankees, it's the same thing dating back to all the way back to 2017, game six and seven of the ALCS, where they have millions of opportunities and they generate a lot of guys getting on base, but then they don't come through. Mm. And it's very frustrating to hear, you know, Aaron Boone, um, Aaron judge and, you know, et cetera, guys like that on the team say, well, we've made adjustments. We're going to, you know, we've gotten better. We're very hungry for this season to start. And then you go out and the same thing happens. Uh, Opening day was a very winnable game. And, I know a lot of people complained about the extra inning rule, which I completely forgot about. Um, I was actually out at dinner somewhere with my parents and I completely forgot. There was a guy standing on second base to start the inning. And I'm like, how did that happen? Um, I, I know a lot of people point to that as to maybe why the Yankees lost, but the Yankees lost that game, bottom of the seventh inning, bases loaded, went out and Aaron up. You want up in that situation and you can do a double play. Uh, so the biggest gripe with me over the past couple of seasons, and it's going to stand true here, is can they get hits when it matters? Uh, I don't know what your opinion on that is. I know we've talked a little bit about it, uh, but you got to hit when you got guys on base and they didn't do that on opening day. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing to take away from – the opening day game was it's only one game. It's only one loss. You know, there's plenty of season ahead, but like you said, the issue is it's the way they lost. It's the way they were unable to um, capitalize in um, scoring opportunities over and over and over again. I mean, scoring chance after scoring chance. And, you know, that's not managing. That's not um, different. You know, that, that has nothing to do with management or analytics or anything like that. Sometimes it just comes down to 
players have to capitalize when their name is called and the opportunity presents itself. DJ LeMayhew didn't produce on the in on the on opening day. DJ didn't either. Aaron Hicks didn't either. We'll get to Aaron Hicks a little bit more uh, a little bit later. Stanton didn't produce. Um, you know, up and down the board, there was very little production. Um, of all people, Gary Sanchez has had the hottest start to the season so far. Which, um, if you were to ask, and, yeah, and if you were to ask any anybody at the beginning of the year who would have the hottest start, I don't think anybody would have probably predicted Gary Sanchez, except for the people who are like hardcore Gary Sanchez fans, which that fan club over the past couple of years has certainly been limited um, and, and been on the decline, but maybe it will be ramping back up. But I think the main thing um, from, from that opening day is yes, we, we have to see the Yankees capitalize with the runners in scoring position because everything else right now, at least through two games, I've been very pleasantly surprised with the pitching. I mean, obviously we knew Garrett Cole was going to be Garrett Cole. Um, you know, would we have liked to have seen him go a little bit longer on opening day? Sure, absolutely. Um, but when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm not really freaking out about Garrett Cole not giving the Yankees like super duper length in, in um, the first game. Um, but overall, the bullpen, which has been uh, really, I mean, they've had some blows for one reason or another. Chapman being suspended for the first two games. Zach Britton's out. Justin Wilson um, looks like he's going to be back soon, but he was out to start the year. So, I mean, really what you're working with is Chad Green and, and or Darren O'Day as your closer. It seems like yesterday, maybe it's maybe, I don't know what exactly they were actually doing um, for opening day. I don't know if Aaron Boone is just kind of utilizing Chad Green where he thinks the game is the most important to keep at a certain spot. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's really what it comes down to, but I mean, the pitching the first two days has been good on um, today with Kluber. I think he pitched pretty well. I think he was able to get in and out of some jams. I don't think his defense helped him out at times, which that's another concern I have with the Yankees. Um, the defense has certainly not been tremendous, um, but it certainly was better today than it seemed like beyond on an opening day. And honestly, I say defense, really the only person to talk about is Glaber Torres. I know Clint Frazier had that little, uh, you know, kind of botched fly ball today in, in, le in left field. But, I mean, high sun, April, that type of thing in left field at Yankee Stadium. Everybody knows it's hard to it's hard to um, it's hard to see uh, a ball up in up in the sky like that when there's no clouds even for that matter. But you know, I think with Glaber, I think he's going to get better with time. Um, I, I think a lot of it, some of it, has to be uh, a mental thing. Um, and but also, like you said too, the Blue Jays are not bad. They're they're a good team, um, and their bullpen. I don't think their bullpen gets any respect just because I don't think a lot of people have heard of a lot of their guys. You know, these are not like names that people throw around necessarily. So, but overall, I'm pleasantly surprised with the pitching, um, especially the bullpen side of things. I, I, I kind of was hoping that I, I kind of thought that Cole and Kluber would be pretty good. Um, and then hitting wise, just come, it's, it, we could talk about it forever, but it, what it comes down to is just hit with runners in scoring position. That's all it's about. That's all it's about. Um, but when we're talking about hitting, the one person who is really sticking out and not in a good way right now is Aaron Hicks. Yeah, uh, and Aaron Hicks was someone that I think we both said we would like to see him really break out this year, uh, albeit two games. Uh, I know he had – I think he had, he had a knock today, and I think he had an RBI today. So – Hopefully that gets him going in the right direction. Um, 
He's not made contact. And you can say that with all these guys. I know that's stating the obvious, uh, but opening day, he, he looked lost and I don't necessarily like him in the three hole. Uh, I'd like to see him leading off if, I mean, that would be my preference. I think he's a guy who the Yankees love him because he walks a lot. And I think him getting on base at the top of the order, he does see a lot of pitches. Uh, and I know that we'll never see DJ really probably leave that leadoff spot. But again, you hear at this time of the year is pitchers are ahead of the hitters with the Yankee offense. That's all you can hope for right now. And look, the bats are going to come around. That's not what concerns me. What concerns me are the things that are reoccurring. Yeah, the Yankees are going to, they're going to outslug Baltimore. They're going to outslug Boston. They're going to outslug all these teams that are under 500 or around 500 teams. But when it comes down to it and you have guys in scoring position and less than two outs, can you get, can you get the job done? You talked about the Glaber Torres fielding situation and you talked about that being mental. Do you think to an extent that it is a, maybe a mental thing with some of these guys when they come up in big spots? Because you heard all the time with Derek Jeter and, for example, in the postseason, talk about he just slows the game down. Do you think that this is a mental thing? I mean, I, I, I don't think it's – I think it can be. I don't think it is. I think it could become that over time potentially. Um, and specifically regarding Aaron Hicks, um, I don't like him in the three spot either. Um, but I, I'm, I'm happy that you said you wanted him in the leadoff spot because I was worried that we were going to have the same opinion. I actually don't really agree with that. I actually would like the simplest fix that I see for the lineup without, without really changing a bunch of things up is take Hicks out of the three hole and put him, put him in the ninth spot and put Frazier in the three hole. I'll, and I'll tell you why. I think Frazier can capitalize in that three hole more than Hicks can. And the reason I say that is because Hicks literally goes up to the plate, it seems like, and he doesn't want to swing. He goes up trying to draw a walk, and that's fine. And you know where that type of mindset really works? The ninth hole. That's where it works. I don't like it in the three spot like that, especially when you're sandwiched between Judge and Stanton. You're going to get pitches to hit, but if he's just going to watch the pitches, that's not going to do a lot of good for the Yankees overall. I get the concept of you put him in the three-hole because you think he's going to get on base and then Stanton will come up. But I don't necessarily think that's what best suits the Yankees lineup right now. And I think the Yankees could overall benefit a little bit more if you put Frazier in the three-hole and you put Hicks in the nine-hole. And other than that, don't switch the lineup at all. Um, I think maybe the only other thing, and we did see it actually today, was Gio was flip-flopped um, a little bit and put a little bit deeper in the order which is fine. I, I, I think that can, that, that there's going to be ebbs and flows with that. Um, but that would be my main thing is put Hicks in the nine hole, put Frazier in the three hole. And quite honestly, I mean, if Hicks is going to continue struggling, Boone has to do something about that. You can't let this linger. I know, I know there, especially nowadays where you're, where you want to, you know, you have a lot of player friendly managers and stuff like that. You want to let them, you know, you want to let your players work themselves out of slumps. But you can't, this is the pros. This is the big leagues. 
You can't necessarily do that. I know it's super early, so this might sound a little crazy, but you know, when it comes down to it, there's a reason Brett Gardner's on the team. There's a reason Mike Talkman's on the team. And if Hicks is going to just going to go up there and take a bunch of pitches, and then when he actually gets a pitch to hit, he's always not, he's always missing. Oh, maybe there's a spot for Gardner. Maybe there's, there's a spot for Talkman. So that's my early impressions as far as Hicks is concerned. I think that's the biggest thing that's actually bothering me early on in the seasons. I, I like Aaron Hicks. I like what he brings defensively, but I just don't think he's a three hole hitter. Yeah. And I mean, to those listening, we aren't, you know, saying right off the season after two games, we're just, no. it's just two, some things that we've observed very early on, but there are things that like I've stated before, obviously they just, they're reoccurring. Um, you talked about Glaber on defense. Do you see a world in which the Yankees are stuck with him this season and a couple seasons going forward with him at shortstop now that DJ is at second? What do you think an alternative plan could be if he just shows that he can't really lock it down over at short? He, he doesn't have to be a, a gold glove shortstop, but some of the errors he makes, I mean, they're plays that you have, they're plays that have to be made. And they killed Garrett Cole in, on opening day, specifically that one in, I believe, the second inning, the backhand. Uh, that led to a run. That led to Garrett Cole making more pitches. That led to him being out in the fifth inning. So what is your opinion on that? I mean, I think they have to stick with Glaber unless they want to potentially, um, you know, say goodbye to him the, 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 and, and you sign a free agent. But the, the main thing is with the way they're presently constructed, you're, you're, going, you're not getting rid of DJ. And the only other option really is you put DJ at first base and you say goodbye to Luke Voigt. You put DJ at first, you move Glaber back to second, and then that opens up, you know, because there there's a pretty good free agent class for shortstops. Um, this coming off season, um, that would be my only other thought. But presently constituted, Glaber is their shortstop. You're not putting Tyler Wade there and starting him. Um, Tyler Wade just being on the major league, Tyler Wade just being on the major league roster is a whole thing in itself. Still, um, you know, I just think he's like the ugly stepchild that shows up to family affairs um, and then kind of, kind of, he's just still part of the team. Um, I know he, he, you know, he has a skill set problem is he just can't hit never has been able to it's over and over and over we talk about Yankees not being able to hit with runners in scoring position well another great storyline that's been the same thing for about four years is Tyler Wade can't hit you know so that's why Glaber's because Tyler Wade can't hit is because the reason Glaber Torres is the shortstop and the only option for shortstop currently that that would be my take do you think GL at shortstop would ever be an option no, I, I, I mean, I think they, I think they would potentially have to force it, but no, I don't think that's an option. I don't think it's a good option. There's no reason to do that to him. There's no reason to do it. Yeah, and I ultimately think that Glaber will. I think he'll ultimately succeed at shortstop, and because if you remember, that's the position that uh, he played all throughout the minor leagues, and yeah. he's a second baseman just out of need. Um, so I think he'll be fine. I mean, Glaber is a guy who's been he's been an all-star. He's going to be fine. He's going to work it out. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, tough watching those first couple uh, months of the season with him as he works out the kinks. 
getting to something a bit more positive, Gary Sanchez. He's yeah. off to a great start. And I think that's really important, not just for him, but for, for the team. I think opening day, he was batting seventh or eighth. Uh, Gary Sanchez, when he's on, he's probably a guy who's hitting fourth or fifth, not seventh or eighth. But first at bat, first pitch, two-run home run. Uh, he did a great job blocking some of Garrett Cole's pitches in the dirt, threw a runner out at second. I know today he did have a throwing error, but you can say whether that's on, and I know it kind of seems like we're kicking the guy while he's down, but you could say that Glaber should not worry about the runner and knock the ball down. And Yeah. But – Nonetheless, another home run today for Gary. He also had an infield single on opening day. I know. I know. <laughs> Gary's off to a great start, and I think that's a great sign for the Yankees. And albeit it's been two games, but what have you thought of Gary both behind the plate and at the plate? Well, if he continues to actually hit, I think you could actually potentially see him bumped all the way up to fifth in the batting order. Um I really think, and if you think back to about a about last year and the year before that, Yankees were really, really good, and the lineup was like just absolutely filthy and stacked when Glaber Torres was the ninth hitter, um, you, you know, and and that's the crazy thing about it is now do I think we're going to get to a scenario where Glaber's batting ninth? No, no, not at all. That's that that's a thing of the past. But what I do think is. Um, as far as Gary's concerned, I think the defense is is pretty good. There was um, the two the two pitches that um, Lucas Litke threw today. Oh, by the and pro, by the way, props to him. Um, the la, you realize the last like hitter, major league hitter he faced before today was Tory Hunter. I heard it was the first time he'd uh, yes. been on a roster since like 2015. Yes, and the last and the last hitter he faced before today was Torrey Hunter, who was just on the Hall of Fame ballot. So hey, a, he earned it. He had a great spring training. He earned it. Yeah, that's a long time. But getting getting back to Gary, um, I think if you watched the Yankees' reactions on the bench on opening day when he hit his home run, his teammates want it so bad for him too because they know, you know, they know he's a good person and they know he's he's somebody who can be really important to the team and he's somebody who can carry the team potentially. Um, but at, at the same time, last year is something that uh, his performance in two games is not going to wash away what happened last year. He's going to need to produce for a lot longer period of time. And he's not going to have to hit a homer every day to wash away what happened last year. It would certainly help if he does. Um, that would be insane. But what I, what I, what I would think is, if if he can continue just to produce through the month of April and just consistently produce, if he has an 0 for 4 or an 0 for 5 day every once in a while, that's fine because every major league player, I don't care how good of a hitter you are, every major league player is going to have that. Um, but if if he can get through April consistent and you get into May and he's continuing to still produce, then maybe we have the Gary Sanchez of old back. Um, now, every player, literally every player, on the Yankees is going to have a slump this year. They might have two slumps. They might have three slumps. The issue with Gary is if he goes into any type of slump, you worry that the mental side of things is going to start to affect him, and then he's never going to get out of it again. And that's my concern. So that's why I say of all the Yankees, it's very important that he stays consistent in what he's doing. Um, but 
defensively today, yeah, a couple pitches are all over the place, um, you know, the throw to second. But hitting-wise, he looks solid at the plate. He looks quiet, if that makes sense. His lower half is steady. His, it's his upper half, he's really following through on the ball. Not, he's pulled both of his home runs, but it doesn't look like he's just instinctively trying to pull the ball. And that's really important for, for Gary Sanchez as well. Um, now, on the flip side of that, the person who I would say is doing none of that through two games is Giancarlo Stanton. He is very hectic in the plate right now. He looks lost, and he looks like he's guessing. Two most polarizing players on the roster. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And as far as Giancarlo is concerned, this is a guy, obviously, who can carry a team. He can carry the Yankees. But the problem is, um, I think he gets inside his head, too, sometimes. And if you want to talk about a mental approach, I think – with Giancarlo, I think that's part of it. And there's pressure with him, man. The, the fans get on him so fast. I mean, they were booing him on opening day again. I'll, um, I'll never understand. I mean, I'll, I understand fans it. Can, I Matt, it. fans can do whatever they want. They pay the no, money, no, no. they can get in there. But, no, I do think it's dumb. I, I get that. And I can understand where fans are probably uh, more – you look at, like, the hoops they have to go through to be able to attend a game this year. There's probably people at that that were at those first two games, say Joe, that didn't want to. Were like, I'm never going to get the vaccine. I'm not going to get vaccinated, <laughs> or I'm never going to get a COVID test. But they're like, now I'm going to because I want to go see the Yankees play. And Stanton, who's making a, a boatload of money, and he's having a bad performance. I get it. I think it's dumb. After you know five at bats, I think it's stupid. Um, but I will never understand just the hatred that he gets from Yankee fans. And I understand he didn't get off to the best start. His first postseason wasn't great. Um, but people got to remember where he's coming from. He's coming from Miami. He's not coming from an LA team or he's not coming from a team where winning is winning wasn't in his DNA. Right. He didn't know how to win. He didn't know what it felt like to be part of winning. And people compare him to A-Rod. I think you can somewhat compare him. Um, obviously, skill set wise, you can't because Arod was just you know ten times the player Stanton is. But you look at the big contract, uh, the expectations of all the expectations of the world were put on him. But Yankee fans got to realize that every player is like you said going to go through ups and downs. But with Giancarlo and even with Gary, I feel like Yankee fans when they're on. They, they don't have anything to say. They, they act like it didn't happen. And the minute they're bad, they're right there. They almost want something to go bad. And I'll never understand that. Um, I know Yankee fans say he doesn't show enough emotion, and that's why they boo him. I mean, to me, that's just, you know. So are they going to boo Corey Kluber too then? Because yeah. that guy's a robot. Yeah, and same thing with DJ LeMahieu. But you're, you're booing a guy because he's being – he's not being – what he isn't I don't I don't know I won't get it I get why they're booing but it's just I don't understand um the hate he receives I get the contract and everything um but I mean you're gonna have a hard time telling me that if you didn't receive you know an offer of that much money over 13 years that you would turn it down and I don't think a player should be judged or their performance should be judged 
based off the amount of money that they make. Um, Giancarlo Stan would be stupid to turn that down. Did they want him to turn that down and make, you know, less than that? Um, so getting back to it, I know I went on a little bit of a, a tangent right there. That's Stan's okay. going to come around. Stan's going to be fine. When he's locked in, we saw what he's capable of uh, when he was in the postseason. Uh, the biggest thing with him, he just needs to stay healthy. And I think so far we've seen that. He hit a slow roller on opening day and, you know, tried beating it out down the line, came out and he was, he was fine. That's the biggest thing with him. Uh, I have no worries that he's going to hit. I get the people booing him. I just, like you said, I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous, but when this offense gets going, uh, like we've seen in the past, he's going to be, he's going to be a big part of it. And I think being in the middle of that order, his, his numbers will play out to where, uh, you know, we think that they'll be. Yeah, absolutely. And shifting away from the Yankees a little bit into something that's that that's a little bit fun that we can talk about was just this past week we had our uh, our fantasy baseball draft. You joined my league this year, so that's fun. Um, we're actually I didn't even realize we're facing each other this week, Amen. and you are absolutely currently demolishing me. Um, and I don't want to provide any excuses. This is more to bring up a talking point that I wanted to bring up was two of my pitchers are Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, which were my, which were my first pick. And I think either my second or third over third round pick. Um, But what I wanted to talk about with that was, you know, because I don't really want to talk about me getting my butt kicked in fantasy. Um, Shout out to Alex Bregman. Two rerun bombs. Look, I didn't want to take. Also, Bregman. what the heck's going on with the Rays? They're already sit- sorry. They're already sitting Randy or Rosarina. I had him in my lineup today. Where are they? The Yankees resting guys on the second day of the season, third day of the season. <laughs> the Rays are gonna win ninety games this year, averaging two runs a game. I Probably, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I didn't want to take Bregman or Altuve, but did you take both or one? Yeah, they were there. They were still to put it into perspective. Yeah, uh, they're doing well. Alex Bregman was supposed to be the 30th pick. And I think I got him in like the, with my 50th something pick. Uh, Jose <laughs> yeah, Altuve was supposed to go like 65th. And I took him with like the 80th or 90th some odd pick. Uh, at that, I didn't want to take him, but at that point I needed, I mean, come on. The one freaking Astro that I have is Carlos Correa. And he's today he's 0 for 3 with a strikeout. So he's actually minus one for me. I think I got the best team. I'm going to put it out there. I think I have the best team. I mean, I My think solid. I'm looking at your team right now. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I think it's pretty solid. I think you can be had in the pitching, potentially. <sighs> have you seen my pitching? I have seen your pitching. DeGrom and Scherzer is no joke. But I will say, I don't think Walker Buehler and Aaron Nola are a joke either. No, they're not a joke. That's true. I didn't want to take you, Darvish. Nobody wanted to take you, Darvish. Nobody did, Dak. I just sat there. I get – I and look, I didn't want him – I wasn't going to take him or Trevor Bauer. If, look, if it had gotten late in the draft and they were still there, then obviously <laughs> I would have taken him. But those guys pitched in the Central all last year. Yeah. And you, Darvish, got bombed in his first start. And I think Trevor Bauer was pitching a no-no against the Rockies, but then his ERA, I checked this morning, it's like in the five mid- something. High five, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Back reason I to, to, wanted to bring up fantasy real quick, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about was 
Um, the fact that the entire Mets Nationals opening day slash opening series has been postponed, um, that's terrible. I understand that COVID's an issue, and I'm not saying and I need to say this before I go any further. The, the, the series being postponed, that's the right decision. That's fine. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But you want to talk about mismanagement? Something must have happened where, I mean, we're, we, this is now a year we've been going through this. And if you remember last year, the Nationals on opening day also had an issue. And we're hearing that the entire team is in quarantine at one point, or at least most of the team. I'm sorry. But if I'm Major League Baseball, I know you want to have the best of the best, but imagine if you're a Mets fan right now. Imagine if you're a member of the Mets. You have to play three doubleheaders now through no fault of your own. That's, that's not good. Um, and if I'm Major League Baseball, I say to the Washington Nationals, yeah, oh, all your players are in quarantine, no problem. Well, you have minor leaguers, right? So bring up whoever you need, field a team, and play. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. It's a year later. You got to do what you got to do. And I know that's a, that's a harsh take. And I know you're probably going to disagree, but taxi players, bring them up, play them. It's not the Mets fault. And the Mets are going to be punished. Now the Mets are being punished for nothing that they've done. And they're going to have to play three doubleheaders now against a divisional opponent who, who knows they might be battling for, for the divisional title at the end of the year. I see both sides of it. I don't completely disagree with you. I just think because you say the Mets didn't do anything uh, to deserve um, what happened to them, but maybe the Nationals didn't either. Uh, There's people who have gotten COVID that they will literally tell you they don't know how they got it. And obviously, maybe one of the Nationals, I mean, I don't want to say obviously, but for this to happen, for most of the team to have it, I mean, did one of the players break protocol? If that's the case, then yeah, I think you should call up, you you should have to fill out your roster. It's because Major League Baseball this season with 162 games and with fans being welcomed back into the stadiums, which it may only be 10,800 fans at Yankee Stadium, but the energy in that building is, it's incredible. Yeah, oh, I agree. But getting back to it, you, you can't afford to just postpone series like this and no. i know they have off days where they can make it up but it's not fair like you said to a team where that's who they're playing in the division where they're gonna have to go now and play three double headers uh so i think mlb is kind of stuck in the middle here with this i don't think there's one way really that you can solve this outside of players getting vaccinated but you can't force that upon um upon the players so it's a tough situation. I think it's a situation that a lot of us may have forgotten about as crazy as that might seem. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't just postpone the whole series right after they announced they canceled the first game. I think it had to do with contact tracing. I think that's part of the issue. And then they found out how many people are actually through, through contact tracing. They found out how many people are compromised by it. And that's my biggest thing for the whole team or most of the team to be compromised by this after contact tracing was done. That's the only, if it was like a couple of players, I wouldn't have the take that I have, but the fact that we, we are hearing, we're, we're hearing and reading reports that most of the team was in quarantine, at least for a certain amount of time. Um, that's awful. That is really, really bad. Matt, you got to tighten it up two years in a row that you're starting the season off with. Yeah. And, and I like what you said too. And it's true. 
we don't know anybody could get COVID any day. Doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, weird things can happen. You can do all the right things. And if you, you know, people are still operating through their, you know, they're, they're going about their lives the best they can. Um, and you can follow different protocols. Uh, but all it takes is somebody who's not. Um, and if that, you know, it, 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 that, that's the main thing to take away from it is there are a lot of variables and there are a lot of things that sometimes pe people can't control. But it seems that Washington may have not controlled everything that they could have. And we'll never know for sure, um, but it's certainly a bad look. And I think that's an important thing to bring up just because, you know, MLB, there's a reason that there's only, you know, it's awesome that there's fans in the stands and it's awesome that they're as loud as they are, you know, as we've observed at Yankee Stadium. Um, but there's a reason why we're still operating the way we are. And, there, you know, we need to realize that we're, we're still in a pandemic um, and we're, we still got to get out of it. And, you know, a month from now, a lot could be different because a lot more people, you know, people are now getting vaccinated at a crazy good rate. Um, the vaccines are rolling out very quickly. Um, you know, more different types of vaccines are getting approved as well. Um, I think the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is going to be clutch because that's only a one shot deal. Um, you know, obviously you have to wait your time after it's not like you get injected with a shot and boom, you're done. You got to wait, you know, you got to give yourself a little bit of time, but you know, when all is said and done, I think a month from now, two months from now, I think we're going to be talking about a much uh, safer in a much more uh, health conscientious world. Um, not to say that we'll be back to normal. Um, that's what we want, but that's, 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 I had to, I wanted to make sure to bring that up regarding uh, baseball because that's a huge issue with MLB right now. Um, and I think, you know, the, the nationals uh, were actually, you know, I can't say they weren't the first cause they were the first, but they probably won't be the last. Um, and other teams will be affected in different ways, but hopefully just not to the extent that the nationals were. Speaking of the fans, have you ever have you attended a playoff game at Yankee Stadium? No, I haven't. So the energy in that building during a playoff game could like power a small country. <laughs> it's loud. If you it's loud now with just the ten thousand people there, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like next year when it's a hundred percent capacity again. If we're lucky enough to get to that point, yeah. Or even this year for the postseason, when hopefully the capacity is raised, it's they're going to take it to another level. But no, I just wanted to mention that because Yankee Stadium's crazy in October. So shifting back to the uh, the Yanks, I think the main excitement for tomorrow is to, you know, Domingo Herman had a pretty good spring. Uh, we'll be seeing him taking the mound tomorrow, and I think hopefully he gives them some length actually because. For the first two days, the Yankees have had to go deep into their bullpen, which has been shortened to begin with. But um, what are you? What are your? What are your thoughts about Domingo uh, taking the mound tomorrow? Yeah, he had a great spring, uh, like you just brought brought it up. I'm excited to see him pitch. I think he took all the necessary steps uh, in getting back and reacclimated to the team. Uh, and there, the days that he's on, he's pitching well. I think he could solidify himself, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think he could solidify himself as the Yankees' number three starter. I really do. Oh, you've I seen, agree. You've seen it from him. Uh, and I think him coming in, and obviously I think they'll have him on an innings uh, restriction, just seeing that he hasn't pitched in a year. I think coming in, he can be a huge 
um, piece for the Yankees going forward. Because Kluber, I thought Kluber was good today. And I thought it was a good step in the right direction for him getting back, maybe not to where he was a couple of years ago, but getting to where you, there's that trust with him. I think Domingo Herman, you send him out there tomorrow, you got to feel confident about uh, his ability to go out. Uh, and like you said, pitch, you know, maybe six innings and giving the Yankees a great chance to win the game with this offense. That's all the pitchers need to do. Cause you know what you're getting from Cole, the other guys, you just got to give them a chance, uh, the Yankee offense, a chance to be in the game. Cause the bullpen, like you said, is, has been, you know, it's been good. And it's been short. It has been shorthanded because of the Chatham suspension, which is over now, but the bullpen has been good. Jonathan Loisica has been great. Albeit for three innings, but he's been great. Chad Green pitched. Johnny Lasagna. I'm so happy he's pitching well. I really am. Yeah, he, he could be a huge difference maker for him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Britain's out, but when Britain is back, you hope that he's back and he's 100%. Uh, Chad Green is reliable as it gets. Uh, Nick Nelson, outside of the, the double that he gave up in the 10th inning, I thought he was down at that inning. And then you have Chapman. So the bullpen's going to be fine. Uh, but it's just what are those other three guys in rotation going to give you? I think with Domingo, he's probably the most sure thing behind Garrett Cole just because we've seen him do it before. And it's yeah. not really an injury thing with him. Uh, so what are your expectations or what do you want to see from Domingo tomorrow? I would just personally – I would like to see six innings with less than three runs. I would like I would to see the, the definition like sure. quality start. I think too. I want to see him be efficient with it. I want to. See yeah, him. I don't want to. I would like to see him avoid twenty pitch innings. Yeah, and that's the thing with Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber today. I think Kluber had three walks today. Uh, he so lost the zone, to... if I remember right. He lost the zone really bad in the third inning. Yeah, um, and that kind of that was his roughest inning of all of them. And I I really think that took a lot out of him. Um, I think that really kind of gassed him a little bit. Um, but I also think that he showed his, you know, wily vet type of mentality of he can get in trouble, but he won't implode. Um, and in the past, when the Yankees have made different free agent signings where we've been fed the, oh, this guy's going to be great for us, usually it leads to implosion on a lot of levels. So nice to see him not like just completely fall apart on the mound. Um, and every pitcher is going to have their issues. Even Garrett Cole had their issues. Even Garrett Cole had his issues. So that that's the thing that I take away from it is I think Kluber will be okay. And I for Domingo, I think hopefully I think he he comes away with, you know, five, six strong innings tomorrow and the Yankees bats continue to elevate their game a little bit. Um and we go from there. Yeah. If Corey Kluber can do what he did today but maybe for six, six and two-thirds innings, that's all the Yankees need him to do. And yeah. I know today it was four innings, five hits. There was He gave up two runs. I know one of them was earned because of the air. Uh, three walks, which, I mean, I don't think that's too bad. You'd like to see that maybe a little lower, maybe one walk. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being picky. And the five strikeouts. I mean, if he does that for them all year and, you know, you're going to have your, um, you know, your rough outings every now and again. But if he does that and he can at least pitch him into the fifth or sixth inning, I think that's all you can really ask of the guy. He hasn't – he threw one inning last year. Um, so yeah. for, the, for him to come in and, you know, pitch like he did today, 
I thought it was huge. I think it's a good step in the right direction. I think his presence alone on the mound is uh, is going to be big for them. He's, he's stoic. That, yeah. He's just <laughs> – he could be he, – he could have the bases loaded and nobody out in a one-run game, and you wouldn't even know it. Uh, somebody, could, somebody, could, somebody could steal his lunch, and he would be unfazed. <laughs> he would – he would get them to return his stolen lunch just by staring at him. <laughs> I bet he's a scary guy. And like he is, guy. like he's he's very intimidating, and he's yeah. not even like that big of a dude. It's just like his eyes, just like stares into your soul. <laughs> just his face. <laughs> yes, because there's no motion. He was painting all afternoon, though. Oh yeah, very Picasso like. Um, by the <laughs> way, did you see the uh, did you see the cat yesterday that stormed the field at Coors Field? Yeah. Have you have you ever seen the cat? always huh? Was that your cat? No, that was I... not my cat. By the way, he's not made an appearance on the show today. He's breaking his, he's breaking his streak. Unreal. He was last time I checked, he was napping pretty hard. Oh. Yeah, so this you know, usually he's kind of up and out and about by this time, but <laughs> kind of a night he's kind of more of a night dweller. But yeah. he was maybe he's been sleeping a little bit more late. I think it's because the sun's out a little bit longer. He likes to Wherever the wherever the sun comes through the windows, he finds like the where the sunspots are, and he just kind of chills in the sun and bathes. That that's what my cats do. My cats he, don't. He he soaks in, he soaks in the rays. But yeah, so you saw that cat yesterday, right? Yeah, it was crazy. Have you ever seen the episode of Have you ever watched the show Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No, but I've heard of it. Okay, there's this episode where it's very early in the show where. They want to get some type of security system for their bar. So they go and try and buy a junkyard dog, which like you can't just go and buy a junkyard dog. But that was part of the funny part of the show. And they go to this place and uh, they ask the guy who's kind of like overseeing the junkyard. He's like, do you guys have any junkyard dogs for sale? He's like, no, but I got a cat. And, <laughs> and they're like, we don't want a cat. And he's like, you sure? It's a pretty tough cat. He said it was born in a pool of gasoline. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that episode, I, I saw the photo of the cat last night that stormed the field. It, 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 was, it was rough looking. It looked like a small mountain lion. Um, and it made me think of that. So I tweeted out yesterday. Um, I said, the, the cat that stormed Coors Field must be the, the, the child of, of the junkyard cat from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which was named uh, Special Agent Jack Bauer. So, you know, I, I think, I think that might, I think I might, I think I might be onto something. Um, I'm going to have to investigate this more and report on it a little bit more next week, but I thought that was important to note. Where did it come from? That's the one, that's the question that I always have. Wasn't there a cat that ran on the field on like a Sunday night football game or something? Last yeah. Year? I mean, they, they get through, they, the, <laughs> they get through these, no, they just get through these alleyways. They, you know, there's entrances to the stadiums that aren't locked off and, different things like that. I mean, they can come from a various amount of places. And I think at Coors Field, too, if he entered from the outfield area, that might have been even easier. Maybe he lives in, like, the woodsy area at Coors Field, you know, in center field where they have the shrubbery and stuff. It's a good place for a cat. It's a good place for a cat to live. Maybe he was the final trade piece in the Nolan Arenado deal. They sent a cat. Like, they're like, just give us a cat. And we'll give you fifty million dollars and our once in a generational talent third baseman, and we'll call what it if, even. 
what if what if the cat storm stormed the field when Trevor Bauer was pitching and just like went and like bit Trevor Bauer? I think a lot of people would like that. I'd be happy about that. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to like inflict any harm, but it would be kind of funny to watch a cat attack Trevor Bauer. Yeah. I think that I think that would add a good I think that would add some good comedy. But speaking of my speaking of my Twitter and and tweeting out stupid stuff, more serious stuff, very integral content has been my sports food madness tournament, which is coming to an end. Um, We have two final four teams in in place in pizza. And um, I'm now forgetting what the other one even was. Where is it? Oh, pizza and mozzarella sticks which are at opposite ends of the bracket, so they wouldn't potentially meet until the championship. But today, the two Elite Eight matchups that are remaining are Hot Fudge Sunday against Peanut Butter Cups and Buffalo Chicken Dip against Calzone. Currently, Buffalo Chicken Dip is in the lead as well as Peanut Butter Cups. But, I mean, I I personally really – I'm sad for Calzone. I was kind of hoping they'd make it to the Final Four. Not a Buffalo. Are you a Buffalo Chicken Dip person? No, I'm not like a buffalo flavoring or seasoning or whatever. No, I, I like I I don't mind I, I I don't mind like buffalo chicken dip, but I mean it's calzone. How can you go wrong with a calzone? I just don't think people have the fine palate that I have. Yeah, like I said, just not being a big buffalo uh, flavoring person. Give me a calzone. What do you uh, think about the other one, peanut butter cups against hot fudge? The fact that nachos isn't in, it's I'm gonna have to question the. Uh, legitimacy of this uh this whole thing i mean i think it went out to what is going to be the champion is that was that mozzarella sticks no i mean i i think i I mean i'm sorry it went out i went out against chicken wings but chicken wings ended up going out against pizza and i think either i think chicken wings or nachos would have lost to pizza so i think it had a good run yeah it just Uh, didn't it just didn't extend the the issue um, but I think what our final four is going to look like is going to be Mott Sticks against Buffalo Chicken Dip and pizza against peanut butter cups in a, in a very interesting matchup of two very different teams, two very different styles. You have more of the run and gun style, and then you have the more, you know, bang them down low type of style. You got you to grind, you got to grind out a win. So I think, I think we're really going to see some different type of playing styles clash in, in, in this year's final four. I hate to say it, but I think Buffalo Chicken Dip is going to win it. You think over pizza? I think that I think I think that could potentially be the championship it'll matchup. Be very, it'll be very close. Oh, I, I, I it'll be very close. Buffalo Chicken Dip is like the hipster pick. I should have known. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. It's like the the young guns and the you know the the just the I don't know. It's just the the new age type of food that everybody clings to. People got to put some respect on Hot Fudge Sunday, though. Hot Fudge Sunday is very good. It beat no, chocolate chip cookie. I thought chocolate chip cookie had won. I had to double check my math today. I would, I would take uh, Hot Fudge Sunday over chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, I think I got to be yeah, in the right. And peanut butter cups as well. Yeah, I yeah, I, I if it's a good Hot Fudge Sunday with like the true fudge, oh, oh it's, you can't, you can't, you yeah. can't beat that. But yeah, so you can vote for that on my Twitter at Joey Lafranca, um, and you can also find the Yankee Chamber podcast content on twitter at what is the handle for for our for our twitter account i gotta check that again i think it's it's at yankee chambers with an underscore in between yankee and chambers so at yankee underscore chambers um i've kind of taken that over a little bit been tweeting out different things from game from game to game and i'll continue to do that and you're you're just full-on going hard on the instagram page oh dude it's great 
It's fun, isn't it? You've isn't been it? I think Matt's been literally for people listening. Matt has literally just been texting me like photos of like he's ready. He's got the lineup ready for the next day. He's really having fun with it, and it's fun to see. And it, it, it looks all, and, it, and it looks really cool too. It pissed me off that I had the lineup all set up, and the only move they made was flip flopping Gio Urshela and I think Jay Bruce. So I had to go through and retype the whole. Th- that pissed me off. That put me in a bad mood right. You couldn't just flip flop the two. No, it's all like I should have just saved it as a like a PNG type thing where I could have just flipped it. I yeah, guess it. yeah, I would recommend doing that in the future. But no, I, I think you've been doing. I think you've been doing a fun. I think it's been fun on Instagram, um, trying to grow the Twitter as well. And um, I don't think we're going to bother making a Facebook. I think we're just going to stick with Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think face Facebook serves a purpose for different things, but I don't think it serves a purpose for our podcast right now. That and some Yankee fans on Facebook are. Have you explored Yankee Deep fans State on Yankee fans? Oh my God, it's bad. It's really bad. It's really I, yeah. I think one of them, if I can recall correctly, when Gary Sanchez was playing in the Dominican League this year, <laughs> he just posted some a highlight of him when he hit a he hit a home run, and one of the comments were like, "If he actually cared about the game and wanted to work hard." he would be working on catching or something along the lines of Gary being lazy yet he was out playing in like pretty competitive games. I think the thing, that's the thing with Yankee fans sometimes that can drive you nuts is there's just those bizarre takes that are just way, way too far and way too much. But I mean, it comes with territory. Fans are passionate. That's the way it's got to be. But I mean, you got to look at things through a, you got to look at things through non super duper Yankee fan lenses sometimes you gotta you gotta take the blinders off a little bit and actually look at things for what it is um and like we talked about earlier to kind of wrap things up the issue that we mentioned with the Yankees through game through two games not so much today thankfully than on opening day was you just gotta hit with runners in scoring position that's all it's about it's not that hard of a concept it's not like we gotta solve this issue and this issue and this issue it's just solve one issue and a lot of things will be a lot of things will fall into place from there yeah, it's it's just frustrating. That's the the biggest thing with me is it's, it's just frustrating. Like I said, losses are going to happen, so I'm not going to get too upset over it, especially in, you know, an April 1st loss. I mean, but you know, Aaron Judge when he's at the plate, probably 65% of the time when he's at the plate, he hits a ball, you know, deep into the outfield. Yeah. But, you know, opening that's all he needed and he banged into a double play. Uh it's frustrating, but like I texted you yesterday, they have 160 games left to salvage the season. Salvage the season. Uh, we got to right the ship right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But no, hey, this is a fun time of year. We got the season. We got the Yankee season going. NBA stuff's going into full swing. March Madness wrapping yeah. up. Hockey playoffs going on. Oh, fun, fun times. Fun, fun hockey season, I should say, going on playoffs soon for both NBA and NHL. So this is a good time to be a sports fan. One quick thing before we finish this up. Right. You're a Brooklyn Net fan. Yep. Rumors of Vince Carter coming out of retirement and signing with the Net. Are those true? I that's you, you saying that is the first I've heard of that. But if that's true, that would be amazing. No, if that's true, that would be absolutely ridiculous. No, I love Vince Carter is like one of the OG like I, I Joey fan, Joey fanboy guys <laughs> that I like that I, I idolized. I'd love to see him get a ring, but come on, man, that's crazy. That would be awesome though. <laughs> 
like he would bring nothing to that team whatsoever, but it would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, they might as well just make if they if they bring it, they might as well just make him a coach. <laughs> not a, not a not a. That's the thing that the Nets will start doing next. They'll just sign like superstardom players that just want to they just want to ring, but they could just make them coaches. Charles it's just going to be like a fraternity. Yeah, Charles Charles Barkley can join the team. Uh, let's think of like you know any anybody who you know wants a ring. I mean, if you want to get a MJ. ring right now, yeah, go to Brooklyn. That's that's where you got. That's where you got to yeah. go. I mean, I'm literally looking at a poster right now that I have that says it's a Vince Carter poster and it says have Vin sent. And he's like <laughs> in the sky and he's just like, he's statue of Liberty dunking. Maybe they brought Vince Carter in to coach Blake Griffin on how to dunk again. It's possible. It's quite, uh, it's quite possible. I'm very excited for the Nets though. I mean, you should be, you should, I be. mean, I, I, I have lived through, I have lived through misery. <laughs> that's that's putting it and lightly. that that might be an understatement i've lived through 12 this is the thing everybody's complaining about the net signing all these people i've lived through 12 and 70 i don't need to feel bad about anything i don't no. need to i don't need to listen to the people saying the nets are ruining the nba i don't care i've seen the flip side i i have seen the polar opposite of what the nets are right now so i'm going to enjoy this for all it's worth and i'm going to continue to enjoy it and that's never going to change you should. You should just also refrain from trying to, you know, not rub it in as much as possible. <laughs> I don't do too much. I only bring it up no. like once on every episode. Yeah, no, you don't. It's. <laughs> I will it... say, honest, like speaking, like like getting like intense here for a second. Lamarcus Aldridge is a very big underrated difference maker for the Nets, as a as a center. I, because what they have cur- what they had currently with DeAndre Jordan and Nicholas Claxton, both those guys bring something, but LaMarcus Aldridge can spread the floor. That's why I like him as their starting center moving forward. And I just love watching old school, like post-up moves. Like that's like just old, that's old man ball right there. Give him the ball in the post. He's going to like back you down, fade away jumper right over your face. Make you eat it. I watched him drop a 50 ball on the Celtics the same night Gronk retired. So there's a little fun fact, Joe, you got anything else for us? No, I think, I think it's about time that you sign us off. All right. Yankees going for the series win tomorrow. We're back in the win column. It was cool talking with you guys, but for now we're leaving the Yankee chambers. 